This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. Hey, struck out. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him, line back up the middle, but there is Franco to the left of the bag. He turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Welcome to our latest show, and happy Mother's Day to all the moms listening today, especially my mom and my wife, Sari. On today's program, we will chat with Taylor Walls about his terrific start and that of the team, too. Mark Topkin will join us from New York as we discuss the week on by. We also will discuss the late Gene Ramirez and Mental Health Awareness Month with team massage therapist Ray Allen. And of course, on Mother's Day, it would not be a complete program without a special mom. And that mom who joins us today is Madison Lau. Coming up on This Week in Rays Baseball, it's Taylor Walls. Learn about how his mental preparation this year has fueled his success. That's coming up next on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball on Mother's Day 2023. Our feature guest this week is Taylor Walls. Taylor, thanks very much for a few minutes. Oh, yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me. First of all, uh, I'm sure you want to wish a happy Mother's Day to the moms in your life. Yeah, um, to my mom, Michelle, happy Mother's Day, and my wife, Allie, happy Mother's Day. Um, so yeah, I always love Mother's Day. Really appreciative to you know everything that Hallie does for Sutton, and then my mom did for me and my brother growing up. So uh, moms are are very I feel like undervalued and under, unappreciated, and and we just kind of look over how much they really do for for us each and every day. So uh, yeah, Happy Mother's Day. So tell me, your mom Michelle, what it was like, what she was like as you were growing up in terms of how supportive she was and also you know i'm sure you have plenty of stories about her driving you here there and everywhere yeah i mean she was her her and my dad both but her i mean she was always supportive and everything um whether it was traveling on you know three weekends out of the month uh, for a travel ball tournament or leaving leaving work and going straight to a game uh, high school baseball game that was an hour and a half away against a team that we were going to beat 20 to zero so it's like those moments that seem like are very looked over in you know in the past time are very appreciated now so uh you know i, I really think that we just look over the the things that they do day in and day out to really just be supportive be the rock of families and uh yeah, so I'm glad that Mother Day is coming up is a day that we can just take a step back and appreciate them for everything that they do, and I'm very thankful. I'm guessing a lot of bonding time in the car over the years, too. Yeah, a lot. Um, a lot of that, a lot of her putting up with me and my brother fighting in the back seat. So, yeah. Did she ever say, hey, one more and we're going to pull over? Oh, yeah, plenty of times. Um, it was usually me that I, that was the one getting on to, but uh, somehow my, my brother always find his way, found his way out of trouble. And uh, you and, and Haley have been together, what, since college? Yeah, my sophomore year in college, so 2016, around the 
spring summer of 2016. So what is that, seven years now? What's it been like seeing her? Obviously, you've adjusted to being a dad, her adjusting to be mom, and congrats. I know you've got a second on the way, too. Yeah, she. Uh, it's awesome. Again, just one of those things where, like, I, every now and then, you know, throughout the week or throughout the day, I'll just take a second and think, like, man, how much she does for, for our family and for Sutton in, in general, just, like, how supportive she is, how often she's just there to, to be, you know, there for both of us because um, not only is she a, a mom for Sutton but she's an amazing wife to me so uh, you know just having that that type of emotional you know support system back home for me and, and I know for Sutton I mean I couldn't have asked for a better wife and a better mom for her. Do you see more of Sutton in you or her right now and if so how? Man it's hard for me to, to tell with stuff like that. Uh, I feel like people are always like Sutton looks just like so and so, or she acts just like so and so. And for me, I'm like, I don't, see, I don't see how like, I can't create that, that draw the connect the dots between that. It's tough for me to do that. But I, I would say, out of the responses we get from other people, she's a very good blend of both of us. That's a good thing to be. You uh, have really blended everything so far in terms of your season to this point. What do you attribute your success to so far, and and how proud are you of the first six weeks for you and the team? This first six weeks has been awesome, uh, super fun. Everybody in the clubhouse is, you know, enjoying the ride right now, and uh, the plan is to keep it going. Um, we don't have any plans of slowing down. We know there's going to be bumps in the road, but, uh, you know, getting off to the start that we've gotten off to will allow us to have some breathing room when those times come and not to try to pressure ourselves too much to, to be able to weather the storms when they happen and, and, and bounce back and, and, you know, hopefully continue the stretch that we're on throughout the rest of the year. But. For me personally, I mean, I, honestly, I think it's just being in a solid, solid place mentally, having a having a solid foundation to to go back on mentally day in and day out to to stick to the same routine and process of preparing myself for the game each at bat. You know, trying to take it as its own separate at bat and understanding that there's going to be ups and downs and and through all that is is a long process. Trying not to to get too distracted by the the end result of of each at bat of whether it's a punch out or you know, a, a ground into a double play in a big key situa situation or something like that. Like just kind of embrace the moment, understand that it's, they're gonna happen as part of the process. The script is kind of written and just and just do what I can to prepare myself to succeed. That is not easy to do though. So what did you change in the off season? Because I'm sure you had to learn a lot and, and took a lot from last year that's helped you with the start this year. I don't really think it's nothing I changed this off season. I think it's just kind of a morph of experience from last year. Having a great, you know, supporting staff and coaches here, having Sua to be able to, to bounce ideas off of and, and to work through that kind of process with. Um, I think it's just a combination of everything, being in a good environment, being around people who, who understand that and understand that in the heat of the moment when maybe I don't have the grasp of, you know, having all of this under control, quote unquote, mentally, that they understand that as a player, you have to grow into it. It's not something that you just wake up and, and have the next day. So uh, having having that that support system from the coaching staff, from SUA, from family at home, from you know my agent to everybody, just you know being super patient, understanding, then also trying to you know help build confidence and and show me that you know the right way to go about it. I think that's kind of, it. Kind of all just kind of came together, paired with the the experience I had last year, to where I kind of understood that in order for me to perform at this level 
at the level that I know I'm capable of performing at, that this is the way mentally I'm going to have to structure myself day in and day out to be able to try to produce those results. So walk us through that, because we may have some young athletes that are, are listening. What is your process now, and how much has it changed since you got to the big leagues? Um, it's changed a lot. Really now, it's, it's more so of, it's a combination of a lot of things. I feel like different days I might, you know, grab different, uh, uh, I, I guess you could say ideas are more so like, how would I word it? It's more so of like grabbing different, I don't know, just a substance or, or a kind of a building block to go off of. So like for the most part, it's understanding that I might not have my 100% A game every day. Um, being okay and understanding that I can compete and I can win if I'm not at the highest level or I don't feel the best that day or the BP isn't the best, the result in the cage isn't isn't what I want it to be or, or is perfect. As a competitor, I think we we compete with perfection a lot, especially in our, our routine and our early work. And a lot of times, whatever we're seeking, you know, feedback from, whether it be result, whether it be feel, whether it be something from a coach, I feel like a lot of times if that isn't exactly how we picture it being or want it to be, then we'll just chase our tail and, and we'll never be able to fully have a clear mind and understanding of what we're trying to do and be able to compete at the level we want to compete at. So for me, that's that's the biggest thing. Some days it's it's nothing. I don't need anything. Some days I wake up, I, I don't need anything to grab onto. I just can go play. Other days I may feel like I'm a little off and I have to remind myself that this is part of the process. There's going to be days, series, weeks, months to where I'm, I don't have my A game. I might have my B or C game. But all that matters is that I do what I know puts me in the best spot to have success and let the result be the result. And uh, I think that's kind of the overall big picture of how to try to relieve the pressure, take the pressure off of your shoulders, play uh, freely. People always say, like, you, you have to have confidence or you have to, you know, believe in yourself. And to me, that's such an inaccurate statement because, like, that's an emotion that you have to create through routine, create through, you have to develop the skill of understanding what that is. And a lot of times feeling good or having confidence is so overrated. Like it, it happens as a byproduct of an event that occurs before then, but it's nothing that you can physically control in a split second when people like that, people tell you that you need it. So I think just learning to learning what that is, honestly, learning that you really don't need it to, to, to be successful and then trying to build the process behind the scenes when the game's not going in the cage, you know, ground balls or whatever it might be in order to build that foundation of having it without trying to force it. Do you think you also are physically better though so far this year and that's yielding better results or that you've made some adjustments that are yielding better physical results too? I definitely feel like I'm in a better spot mechanically for sure, but that's that's not solely the point of why I feel like I'm performing a lot better as of right now than I was, you know, last year or the year before. I feel like uh, there's definitely, you know, you definitely need to take time to, to look into your mechanics. You definitely need to, need to understand what you're trying to do physically at the plate and understanding what works, what doesn't. And I think a lot of that comes more so in the off season than it does during the year. There's definitely times to make physical adjustments, and I'm not saying I never do that because I have even this year. Um, but I but really like leaning so much on that being the sole factor of whether you're performing well or not, I think is the part that 
at this level is what kind of funnels the guys that perform well or the guys that don't. I feel like guys that are confident and the, the process and routine fundamentally that they build in the offseason that they know works for them. When they go in the cage, like every guy's different on this team. My routine is different from Yandy Diaz, is different from Wander. But the, the key thing is that these guys know deep down and the, like to themselves, they truly believe that what they do is the right way for them. And I think um, building that process fundamentally and then starting to build it on mentally as well is what fuels you to have confidence when you step into the game to be able to know you can do it. Mechanically, what did you change from last year though? Uh, mechanically, I mean, left-handed it was, to start the year it was, I, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna no stride. Um, I'm gonna try not to pick my foot up off the ground I think that'll help with just like being able to compete more, be on time a lot better, like not have that that variable come into play. And then I just flattened out a lot of my blades in the on the upper body. So like my lead arm was a lot flatter, my bat was a lot flatter, my setup, um, to, just to try to be able to cover the pitch up a lot more. Uh, I felt like last year I was super steep with my front arm, which kind of promoted me to kind of pull with my front side off the ball to be very in and out of the zone and, and steep to the ball. So I would cut a lot of pitches, you know, ground ground a lot of pitches, and I wouldn't be able to really cover anything that was elevated. So I felt like those slight upper half mechanics adjustments left-handed was going to allow me to get to those pitches elevated a lot easier. And then right-handed, it was more so of just trying to clean up my lower half, trying to make the right internal rotation move with my lower half right-handed to be able to withstand the right force into the ground and not, you know, come up out of my swing or push or drift forward. And uh, it's a fight and battle. It's still not something that I've mastered. And like the past three weeks, I haven't no shot at all. It's like I've, the, the game, I had four hits in Chicago. It was 20 minutes before the game in the cage. I was like, you know, I just, the no stride doesn't feel like it works right now. I feel like I just, I need to move. I need to be athletic. So I'm just going to pick my foot up today. And I got four hits. So it's like, that. that's kind of like I, another thing that I feel like I've done a good job of this year is just kind of listening to my gut. Like, I feel like I would be so fearful of doing that last year and the year before because I would, oh, no, I haven't practiced that. So there's no way I could go out and be successful doing it in the game. And in reality, all that matters is that you believe in what you're doing. Like at, at that moment, I was like, I, you know what? This feels good. I feel like, like, I feel like I feel great doing this. I trust myself. I like, I'm doing it. Screw it. So almost having that screw it mentality of just trusting your ability to go out there and perform. How much more comfortable are you now defensively at all three spots. We know you were a tremendous shortstop whenever you played it, but this is really the first time you've truly now with Wander's injury last year played every day at all three rotations. How much better do you feel mentally in those areas? Yeah, uh, a lot better, honestly. Second, I feel like is very similar to short as far as being able to anticipate and making a move aggressively towards the ball as the ball's entering the, the hitting zone. So I feel honestly a little better as far as being able to range a little more at second, which is probably normal. And then at third, it's a little, I can't quite be as aggressive forward because I have to be really ready for the ball to smoke low, just, you know, six foot to my right or left. Um, but I definitely feel a lot more comfortable at both. I think I'm, you know, my timing and pre-pitch is getting a lot better. Um, my eyes are getting a lot better as far as locating where the ball is going to be made contact at. Um, so, yeah, I feel a lot. I, honestly, I just think it's having the reps there. 
I think uh, I don't really think it's anything specific that makes me feel more comfortable other than just having some games under my belt. Your total game has been a lot of fun to watch. We appreciate some time on uh, this week in race baseball and wish you continued success as well as the group. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. That is Taylor Walls joining us on this week in race baseball. Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times will join us right after this. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We continue on this week in race baseball. We appreciate the time of one Taylor Walls and Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times now joins us from New York as the race continued this lengthy road trip. And Topper, obviously this team has gotten off to a magnificent start, but this road trip has been difficult, really more about the injuries than anything else. Yeah, it's been a rough road trip in a couple ways, obviously. A couple losses in Baltimore uh, and then a loss, a tough Friday night loss for the Rays at Yankee Stadium. But Look, it's, it's hard to not think the biggest development of this road trip, no matter how it finishes, is going to be the loss of Drew Rasmussen. I mean, it, realistically, into August, potentially even on a good note, he could come back in September for the playoffs, or, or obviously a worst-case scenario, this could lead to surgery and he'd miss an extended amount of time, not just this year, but next year as well. So that's definitely been the, the, the headline to this point. Um, you know, we heard... Kevin Cash and general manager Pete Bendix both talk about the depth they have. And you know, Kevin Cash, I thought, was very candid in saying it's already been used quite a bit, and it, if a couple of the guys that they're using would step it up a little bit, he'd be okay with that too. And that gets to what? Josh Fleming, who pitched in the first game of the series, Yanni Chirinos, who's recently walked more than he has struck out, and Taj Bradley, who's had a bit of a tough time in AAA since his three starts in the big leagues. Yeah, and just, I was actually just going through um, Taj's day-by-day. Day. I should have asked you because I know you have it memorized, but he's made three starts since he's been down there. The first one was just that one-inning plus where he just got knocked around in the second inning and they got him out of there. Uh, then he had an okay one. He went four and two-thirds, and then they put him on the five-day, which was the plan originally, so it was an intentionally short outing. He went three and a third. It wasn't bad, just the strikeouts aren't there. That's been surprising, too, and... Look, it's hard to know what's going on in his head, too, right, Neil? I mean, he's 22. He was brought up kind of unexpectedly, did really well, was told it was one start. Then, oh, well, Jeff Springs got hurt. Come back, kid. Had two more really good starts. And then, you know, probably in his mind, a little surprisingly, gets sent down. And, you know, we've, we've debated, I've written about, you've talked about the reasons. There's certainly merit to them. But, again, if you're 22 and you just came up and did pretty good for three starts, I'm not sure you're, like, really into the deep theory of that. Like, what's the deal? And part of being a player and, and being a big league player is showing you can handle adversity. So if the adversity was, hey, the, the bosses think you need to go down and learn how to do things differently and better, at some point you got to kind of put your ego and your pride aside and do that. And I'm not, I'm not saying he, he hasn't, but the, the results, the performance hasn't been there yet. You add to that that Luis Patino has been so bad, they moved him into a bullpen role. 
So really, you're down to Cooper Criswell and Taj Bradley to see who comes up and joins this rotation. Until Tyler Glass now comes back, which we thought might have been sooner than later, but then he had a slight setback earlier in the week. He did, and, and you know, at the time, I think once people found out and we got word and, and shared it to readers and listeners that it wasn't a serious injury, everybody was like, okay, no big deal. But but now you just you play things forward with Rasmussen going down. If Glass now ends up being, it could be five days delayed, he could be 10 days delayed if they end up attacking an extra start on because he was so abbreviated the other day, and it suddenly becomes a big deal. I mean, he might not be back now. I think if you if you count it out, if they attack the extra start on the do- first game against the Dodgers at home, which is at the back end of that homestand, there was one scenario, one point we were talking about he could pitch against the Mets coming up here in a few days. So uh, that becomes a setback. That becomes a factor. And also when he comes back, you know, what is he going to be built up to? I know they don't want to bring him back for, as a three-inning guy, but even if he's as a five-inning guy, so that becomes a day – They've got to have bullpen depth available. We know that's the case when Chirinos and Fleming start. So this is not the five guys that the Rays were going to run out there, as we all talked about in spring, and have the best rotation in the history of rotations. Yeah, it's, it's going to become what the Rays have been, which is very creative with their pitching staff matching up properly, uh, although it comes also in the most challenging month schedule-wise. You know, and, and that's why with, with as much as the Rays kind of rolled through the first part, and, and, and look, fairly, I think it was pointed out by me and others, you know, they were playing some of the worst teams in the majors at that time. We've seen Detroit turn it around pretty good. We've seen Boston turn it around pretty good. But when the Rays played them, they weren't very good. The Rays took advantage of that. And whatever cushion they built up and, you know, people started turning that around to be, well, they're not going to do good against the better teams they've done okay but you know they have lost a series to the Astros they have lost a series to the Blue Jays they have lost a series to the Orioles you know we'll see how this four game series uh, with the Yankees ends up but you know the challenge is there May was going to be the reverse of April because they played all contending quality teams even the Cubs at the back end even when they get done the homestand is going to be treacherous enough with the Brewers Blue Jays and Dodgers then they go to the Cubs and the Red Sox, who, as we said earlier, are playing better, too. So it's actually going to be a really tough May that leaks a little bit into a tough June, too. In fact, the Monday uh, is the only day off the Rays have until the end of the month, which allows you to be a little less creative with your plans than you would probably like. And, you know, you factor that in with we've talked a lot about the starting uh, rotation so far, but the bullpen has been, as, as Kevin Cash likes to say, and as I used in the, in the game story uh, from Friday night, is as Kevin Cash is wont to say, they're piecing things together, and they've been trying. But, you know, we've seen Kevin Kelly now pitching, you know, some eighth-inning situations that haven't all uh, come out good for him. You know, we saw Jason Adam, you know, kind of having to be used in the eighth, and, and whether he was going to finish the ninth had the game gone on. Uh, or we're going to see Colin Pochet on Friday night. You know, that was a little bit interesting, too. So Cash has had to use it, – it, it's mul- it kind of slides down. It, it's kind of a multiplying effect. He doesn't have all the guys he normally would use, so then he has to use different guys in different roles. And then you've got less experienced guys available. I mean, as, you know, Trevor Kelly was the opener Friday night. Chris Miller was just called up, hadn't pitched in a big league game yet ever. Jake Diekman was just joined uh, after being DFA'd by one of the worst teams in the game, the White Sox. The Rays are obviously optimistic he can help them. Uh, there's another guy on the way that they claim Zach Little off of waivers. So they're churning. They're trying to find options. They're trying to find pieces. They're trying to find fresh arms. But you try to do that when you're playing really good teams in really tight games. Yes, it's not easy. And you are probably going to get Pete Fairbanks back on Tuesday when you face the Mets, assuming all, you know, he, he looked like everything went well in his outing on Friday. Yeah, I mean, 23 pitches to get two outs probably isn't the maximum efficiency, but I'm sure Pete would put it that he just wanted to throw all his pitches and, you know, get all his work in. So, 
you know, that didn't sound like a severe injury when it happened. You know, they made a point of saying even though it was listed technically as forearm inflammation, it was something more closer to the wrist. It wasn't an elbow issue, which would be a concern because Pete also has had a couple Tommy Johns. Uh, but that seemed like it was going to be a quick return. He's eligible Monday. The Rays are off. As you pointed out, their only day off of the entire month, which is a brutal twist of a schedule. And then he should be back on Tuesday when they play the Mets. And all of this pitching talk kind of overshadows what the offense continues to do, especially what Josh Lowe continues to do. I mean, this has been a major growth first quarter of the season for him. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, a guy that we all saw how tough it was for him last year, you know, and kind of thrust, you know, in, you know, kind of not, not unwillingly, but maybe unexpectedly into the spotlight last spring, you know, wasn't a, kind of a bubble guy. Was he going to make the team or not? And then the last week of spring training, remember the Rays trade Austin Meadows. You know, they got back Isak Paredes, who has turned out to be a really good player. But I think even the Rays people will tell you, and I, I know they'll tell you, that they didn't necessarily expect him to be that good. The point of that trade at the time was to create space for Josh Lowe, and it didn't work. He had a rough first month. The Rays don't walk it back often. They walked it back. They sent him down, what, first or second of May, uh, left him at Durham for a while. He, he kind of earned his way back up. Struggled. Then he was just kind of finding a little bit, and they obviously weren't sure. And then at the trade deadline, they went and got a left-handed hitter and sent him back down. And that was kind of all we saw of him until he was like on the what, the taxi squad or the, the, the support squad for the postseason. So for him to do the work he did this offseason, for him to have the right mental frame, uh, for him to come in, get off to the good start he had, and not playing every day, that's tough too. Mm -hmm. We know veteran Harold Ramirez is not happy he doesn't play every day, but Harold Ramirez is used to it. He's been doing this for years now. Josh Lowe comes up, hey, I had a bad year last year, I had a good year this year, ah, but I don't get to play every day. And you know, lefty, you're going to play most times when there's a righty starter. So I, I give him even extra credit, if, if that's possible, teacher, Professor Solons, give him extra credit. But I think for how he's handled it and how he's continued to perform so well. And I think, too, to have good moments in New York means something. I mean, it, it probably opens eyes around the game, don't you think? Well, it probably gets you your highlights shown a little higher up on SportsCenter. Because I know there's some days when you know, you're sitting in the hotel room after a game and just turn the TV on and uh, or on the airplane the other day going up to Baltimore. And I think ESPN guys talked for about an hour and 15 minutes of that two-hour flight. And I don't think there was one mention of the Rays at any point. So at least if they play the Yankees, they have a better chance of getting what they're doing shown. Give us an idea. Obviously, there have been a lot of superlatives during this month. This team also continues to hit home runs. Um, we've, we've talked about, hey, they can't keep doing it at this pace, but they keep doing it at this pace. They have, much to the uh, chagrin of some of the w WFAN radio hosts, apparently, the ones who floated uh, the rumor, or the, I should say the baseless uh, accusation that they were doing something wrong. And, and uh, this is, I think that's probably, as you kind of alluded to, that was I picked up on that, so you're really good at radio and I'm learning, um, that that is the biggest surprise of the season. That would be the biggest approach the power that they've shown and to show it consistently and to have it throughout the lineup. Uh, the number of guys that are you know, soon to be approaching double-digit in homers is amazing. The number of games in which they've hit multiple homers is amazing. And, and it's almost like a, I mean, like a, almost like a soccer term, but it's like a quick-strike offense. There's, there's a turnover in soccer. There's a mistake made in a, by the defensive team here, and then the Rays just take advantage of it, and suddenly one, two, three, four runs get up. You have been writing about all those runs being put up. Topper, I would assume on this Mother's Day, you want to say a wish a happy Mother's Day to, to many out there? Uh, absolutely. There's many to wish happy Mother's Day to. We've got uh, my own mom, we've got my wife, and now my daughter's also a mom. So there's three of them.
Well, we hope they all have a wonderful day. Topper, thanks again for joining us on this Mother's Day on This Week in Rays Baseball. And thanks for Rays Radio sending them all flowers for me. I appreciate it. Well, we appreciate having Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times with us, and we switch gears right now. And uh, joining us is Ray Allen, team massage therapist for the Rays. And uh, Ray, first of all, I'm sure there's some moms in your life that you want to wish Happy Mother's Day to. Oh, of course. Annie Allen, my mom, my sister, Andrea Jackson, and my girlfriend's mother, Deborah. I want to say Happy Mother's Day to each of them. And obviously, uh, I'm sure in the business that you work in, in baseball, um, there are a lot of holidays where you're a part, and uh, this is the best way to kind of connect. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do that. Of course. You know, I, I think that it's important um, as we are in May and Mental Health Awareness Month to continue to talk about Gene Ramirez. Uh, I had Manny Navarro on the program last week, and both of you were very, very close to Gene. Yeah, we were. We were. Um, I initially um, was able to be a roommate of Gene's, uh, I want to say like maybe my f second season with the team. Um, and it was really great. He really helped me out of a bind because I didn't have anybody to room with. Everybody was partnered up. And he was the only one that kind of stepped up and said, hey, let's figure it out. And then the three of you kind of after that became roommates in every spring. Yep, every spring ever since, yep. It's been the three of us, and it's been a pretty cool thing. What did it mean to see his, um, his parents and his family last week at the ballpark to you? Oh, I meant everything. I mean, <clears throat> we see, we, meaning Manny and I, we see them, you know, every time they show up to the stadium or when we're in Texas, we have a group chat, group text that, uh, you know, we stay in contact with each other. Um, I wouldn't say every day, but at least two or three times a week. So it's not like we're not connected, but it's always even better when we see them in person. Just kind of put our arms around them and, you know, just feel the love. Does it become as time passes? Does how does it, how does it, all of that change? The you know adjusting to life without Gene in, in a way. You know, it's funny you ask me that because just the other day I told Manny that, and it may have been because his parents were were in town, but I don't think so. There's certain times that I like I still look for Gene, and I still feel his presence, and I think that day in particular both Manny and I were both kind of feeling it because we confirmed the fact when I mentioned it to him. So, you know, it, it's tough, but I also like the feeling of, you know, not feeling as though I'm missing him because there's a part of him here and I, I still feel his presence when I see his family. And, uh, you know, just to keep his, his name, you know, and his memory and that energy of Gene alive. To you, what kind of person was he and what did he mean to you? You know, Gene was one of those people that when you have a list of friends, he'd be in the top five, you know, like kind of one of those go-to guys that you can always count on, you know, text the person, they text you back, you know, you don't wait a day for a reply. If you need anything, he's there for you. You know, I'm sure you've heard similar, you know, from everybody because, He's a, he, I think he was that type of person, and I don't even think I know he was. He was the type of person that everybody got pieces of Gene, and all of them, you know, all of those pieces were very similar. You know, he had a, a cool way of just being that guy for everybody, but at the same time making you feel like, you know, you were the only person. You know what I mean? 
It's really hard to do. What, what has it meant what the organization has done to continue to remember him and to keep a focus on Mental Health Awareness Month? I mean, it's, it's, it means a lot, right? I mean, you don't, it's not something that you think about every day, you know, unless you've lost someone, you know, like we lost Gene. So it, it makes it less difficult when the organization that, you know, you work for every day makes every attempt to acknowledge and keep, you know, his presence felt and help to spread mental, mental awareness, you know, throughout the organization so that if anybody else is going through that, you know, they know there's a, a place they can turn to and they feel like, you know what, I don't have to go through this alone. On a personal level, Ray, do you feel yourself talking more, let's say, about mental health than maybe you did before all this happened? And do you see it around you in the clubhouse, uh, on travel, on trips, etc.? Um, yeah, I mean, of course, we all talk about it, you know, more. Um, and I think we're all more hyper-focused, you know? I mean, more in tune, more attentive to each other. And also, you know, I, I take account of myself. You know, from time to time, I have to kind of check in on me and others. But to answer your question, yeah, I mean, I definitely do think about it. Do you talk about it? Hmm. Yeah. Do you think the organization became more closely knit, maybe in despite it being such a tragic situation that it brought people closer together in a way? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, not that there was a gap, you know, but if there were, you know. Um, I don't know any semblance of a gap it was filled so I, I, th I think you know with all the efforts and all the attention and you know everything that has collectively been done you know since Gene has left us like I think it's closed that what do you think he would say about this group and the way they've played for the first six weeks he wouldn't be surprised I mean, he he wouldn't be. I think about that too. Like when I look around and I'm like, man, you know, we have like some of these epic, epic wins, and you know, the games finish in a in a fashion that's just like amazing. You know, I'd be looking for a hug or a high five from him. You know, and the excitement that I know he would share too. So it, it would mean a lot to him. And I know, you know, he's looking down and he's thinking, man, you know, I'm not surprised. Y'all are doing your thing and just keep it up. What are what's maybe a story that you think about when you think specifically of Gene? You talked about him as a friend um, and as a person. You know, it's one of those things. It's like I think <clears throat> I had a feeling you would ask me a question like this and I didn't have a specific answer, but the thing that kept coming back to me was a conversation which was was kind of heavy and you know it was one night when we were at the house that we were renting out and I think I don't know if Manny had just stepped out and went back into the house and Gene and I were talking and he mentioned something about the topic had something to do with like mental health suicide and he kind of shared you know his feeling about it with me and I, you know, just being a dad, I kind of stopped because it floored me. And I didn't know that he had, you know, battled some of those, you know, things before because the topic had never come up. <clears throat> but 
but I made a point to stop and tell him that, you know, he's a good friend of mine and I don't want him to suffer through it. I don't want him to go through that. And if he ever needs me, he can call me, you know, at any time of the day, you know, hour, whatever. And he understood, you know, and I still remember looking at him, looking in his face and, you know, just the expression that he had. And <clears throat> that may not be what you were looking for, but that's one of the, the things that stand out because of the situation and because of, you know, the whole mental health awareness, you know, and I feel as a friend that I did make a, a point to say to him, you know, that I'm here for him, but I understand why. Does it mean a lot to you to see that the family has created a foundation um, to help others to try and save the next life? Of course. Yeah. I mean, and I, I believe they've been effective, you know, in doing that. Every time I see a JR98 shirt, T-shirt, hat, you know, I mean, knowing what is behind that and the meaning of it, I think it's making a huge impact, you know, for people who are also aware and, you know, when I wear my shirt and someone asks me about it, I'm sure to tell them. And sometimes before they even ask me about it, I tell them. So I love the fact that they started that. And again, every time I see it, it just makes me smile. Maybe not physically, but, you know, this mm -hmm. inside, I just I feel really good about it. And I'm, and I'm proud of them for doing that. And I know, you know, it's tough and, you know, I admire them. I respect them. I love them. And they're doing an amazing job, you know, to keep Gene's legacy alive and, you know, to push to, to prevent anybody else from having to go through that. Well, we appreciate you sharing uh, about Gene. We think it's immensely important, especially during this May Mental Health Awareness Month. And we certainly appreciate some time on This Week in Race Baseball. Well, thank you, Neil. I appreciate you having me. Again, that is Ray Allen, team massage therapist for the Tampa Bay Rays. We mentioned this is Mother's Day, so when we return to the program, we're going to hear from a mom. Madison Lau will join us on her first Mother's Day. We'll do that when we return. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and joining us right now is Madison Lau on this Mother's Day. First of all, happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Happy to join you guys. Tell me what Mother's Day means now to you and how special it is. It's so special. I, the last three Mother's Days have been, have been hard to go through, knowing that we didn't have a little one with us, but now we do, and I'm just so grateful to be able to celebrate this Mother's Day. Tell me what, if you could, I know it's not easy, but what the journey was like. I know you've been open and honest on Instagram and on social media to, I think, relay your story. Yeah, um, so we started trying to have kids in 2020. Um, we got pregnant right away, miscarried early, um, then got pregnant again, and I had an ectopic that ruptured, and I um, lost one of my tubes, um, so that was really hard. 
Um, and then we went through a lot of fertility stuff after that. Um, I got pregnant for the third time in 2021 and we lost that baby as well. Um, then we kind of started with fertility treatments um, and did that with IUIs, IVF, um, transferred our first egg in February of 2022 and that one didn't take and then um, transferred Emmett um, in May of 2023, so around this time uh, last year, and he stuck and he made his arrival in, in January. Um, it was definitely a tough journey, but we made it through and we have our little angel. You know, I'm curious, when you go through as many difficult processes before Emmett was born, when did you finally go, okay, now this is real and everything's going to be okay? <laughs> I honestly, I think when he was born, the day he was born, um, I think when you go through so much, you kind of hold out a little bit um, of some of that excitement. We tried to kind of celebrate every little milestone of, okay, we hit the second trimester, we found the heartbeat or whatever those little moments were. But um, I think we both took a, a deep breath when he was in our arms. And understandable. What kind of strength did it take to get through this? And what did you learn about yourself? Because most people can't imagine going through this. Um, honestly, I think we really both just kind of looked to God and, and really um, understood that this was a tough test. But we just did it together and took it day by day. And I think just realized that he had a plan and it maybe wasn't our timing <laughs> that we were hoping for, but that we would have a time to be parents and just trusted that. And so I think that was our, our biggest strength was each other and just believing that something was going to come. As I mentioned, you guys have been open and honest, uh, especially you on, on social media. Ha have you heard from a lot of other would-be moms, folks who want to have kids, and how do you think that's helping others? Um, honestly, it's, it's sad that I've received so many um, messages and, and reports of people going through something um, a different time that they had gone through it. Maybe they've had kids but went through it before that and they just didn't ever say anything, right? It's very isolating um, to go through and you feel like something's wrong with you or that everyone doesn't go through this so people can't relate and so you kind of internalize it and I think so many other people go through it and you just don't realize. Um, and so it's great, I think, to have that community to kind of get through those times. But um, it's been great to, to be able to share our story and, and help others going through something similar and kind of give them hope, but also to kind of talk to people who have also gone through it and just have that, those people there to kind of support you. When Brandon became the Clementi Award nominee last year, and you guys were able to donate to an organization that helps folks who are having similar challenges, what did that mean and how did that touch you? It was so special. Um, Baby Quest is who we, who we went through, and um, IVF and infertility is really expensive. And, and luckily, we were able to afford to do that, and we're very grateful that we could afford to do that. But a lot of people can't and we firmly believe that everyone should be able to be parents um and finances shouldn't be in get in the way of that um so when we found this 
company or BabyQuest, we realized that they were just a great recipient of that money. Um, and it actually went to a couple, and they are due to have twins, um, I think, in July. So that was just so special that that money <laughs> gave someone their dream. Indeed, it did. Um, you Have you met that? couple in person and do you plan to at some point in time so we have not met them in person I've been emailing with them kind of through their whole process um, they've kind of kept us updated with pictures and so that's been really sweet but I, I really hope to be able to meet them especially after they have their little little ones soon um, just to be able to, to see them and and talk with them and really just I guess enjoy like what beautiful thing that is that they're new babies and i'm guessing too this makes a marriage even that much stronger having been what you guys have gone through as a couple that's got to be extremely challenging my sister has gone through something similar so i understand that on a on a personal level uh, yeah i mean uh, brandon brandon and i are definitely stronger than ever um it definitely takes a lot to get through that but i think when you do you you have to be closer just because all the shots and appointments and tears and all the things but we definitely it it definitely brought us closer has it also brought your whole families closer together too or because i i would imagine it's kind of almost a bonding experience yeah um so we actually kept ibf a little bit more secretive um we had just been through so much and and um our families had also been through a lot, right? Like, it's exciting to find out you're going to be grandparents and then to also see your kids kind of go through what we went through and them not get to be grandparents also. I think that was hard on everybody. Um, And I think IVF is very emotional and it's just got so many, like, parts that I think Brandon and I wanted (laughs) the least amount of questions possible in some of those times. Um, And so it was really, really special to be able to tell them that we were um, pregnant with Emmett and that the IVF had worked. And I think they were both shocked and just so excited for us and and for them. (laughs) As a daughter, what do you remember, Madison, about Mother's Day or things you did for your mom? Yeah, I mean, Mother's Day was so fun because we would get to go make plates and different crafts. And she just loved, my mom just loved everything that we made her. Um, and kept it all. (laughs) After we had Emmett, she showed us, like, all this stuff that we've had and made over the years, but it's just so special, and I remember making her breakfast and just being so excited to spend that day with her um, and celebrate her. So the first Mother's Day for you, where is it going to be celebrated? (laughs) It's going to be celebrated in New York, so that'll be fun. Um, Honestly, we're just, I'm just so excited to to be able to really celebrate and have happy tears <laughs> this Mother's Day. Do you look forward to the day when you have stuff put on the fridge or the plates made too? Or is that, does that have sentimental meaning? Um, <laughs> Brandon's laughing at me because uh, I am a clutter-free <laughs> person, but I am very excited for all the little, little gifts and little things with his handprints and see how he grows and stuff like that. So, yeah. Since you are in New York while the Rays are playing, is there, how strong has the Rays family 
whether it's the other raised wives, whether it's support system, how much has that meant to you through all this too? That's been huge. Um, honestly, so many wives last year, I, don't, I honestly don't know how many, but I think almost every person on the team had to give me a shot for IVF because we're in, a, in the airport or at a game and you have to do them at the same time every day. And they had, most of them for the, like had been with me through most of the miscarriages and all the trials and stuff. And um, so, I mean, it wasn't their baby for sure, but they, they were so, just felt like they had really been invested in our fertility journey. And that was just so great. And I mean, we did our gender reveal last year with everyone on the team. Um, and that was just so special. And uh, truly everyone just is a family and just makes everyone feel so welcome and, and loved and I think they're just everyone's so close and so it's great to have that support system away from your home. Because we always talk about how close the clubhouse is but it sounds like it's as close outside the clubhouse as it is in the clubhouse. Yeah I mean I see the girls honestly more than I see Brandon during season um, so having that family during season is just so important and everyone gets along so well I mean we all hang out off the field too so I mean we're we're together almost every single day for hours and hours and we haven't gotten tired of each other yet so that's a good thing and how have you seen Brandon change as he's become a dad now for the first time um he is just so good with Emmett but he it gives him something to look forward to no matter what happened at the field that day, which I think is so important. Um, it's hard to not take your work home in this type of thing, but in this career, but um, having him, he just sees him and lights up and his mood immediately changes. Um, so he is able to kind of process and, and leave the game at the field. And I think that's been really great for him mentally. Um, and for me too. So <laughs> it's, it's great to see him be a dad. Well, we appreciate you sharing what obviously is a very rewarding Mother's Day for you and we hope many more to come. Madison, thanks very much and happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Very touching stuff from Madison Lau. We hope you enjoyed that and all of our program today. Special thanks to Madison Lau for being so open and sincere. Uh, Certainly a very touching story for her and Brandon and not easy to share, and we do appreciate that. And certainly we appreciate all of the guests on our program today, including infielder Taylor Walls, as well as Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, and also team massage therapist Ray Allen for talking about a delicate subject too, and that's, of course, Mental Health Awareness Month. I want to remind you, if you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me. You can do so at Neil Solons and also at Ray's Radio if that's easier for you. Thanks today as well to Derek DuBose back in our network studios and Mike Caragliano on site here in New York, plus help from Chris Miller, Becca Carney, Parker Welch, and Alex Fuse. Next week, Christian Bethencourt will be on the program. I'm Neil Solon. You are listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, into right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front 4-1. to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it at RaysBaseball.com slash radio.